How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. As we approach the end of the year, well, actually, it's not just the end of the year, it's the end of the decade. And as such, I, I wanted to do a quick look back and and really think about what has been the biggest story or biggest change or development regarding sports parenting issues since 2010. Now, going back over my files and the numerous shows we've done over the years, uh, I have to say that a lot has changed in the last 10 years when it comes to our kids and sports, starting out from the youth level right through high school and into college. In fact, I would even dare say that we've seen more changes and more developments in youth sports and amateur sports over the last 10 years than at any other time in history. Now, that's quite a that's quite a bold claim, but if you think about it, think about what we've talked about over the last decade, you'll get a pretty good sense of all the changes that have occurred uh, in terms of how we work with our kids, how we teach them, how we train them, how we develop them. And, you know, I think it takes a, it merits a moment this morning to talk about those various changes uh, and see if they're for the better or for the worse. One thing's for sure, things have changed. Now, I'm going to go through a bunch of items here to get us, to get us rolling. I'll give you a few, a few of the topics which we've covered with all sorts of debate over the last 10 years. And I want to discuss with you which of these issues you think have had the most impact on kids in this country. Not just in the short term, but in the long term as well. And I think you'll certainly agree that the times have changed big time. You know the number, of course, one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. I'd love to have you, have you give a call and let's talk about these things because they do have substantial impact on the way we raise our kids in sports. Okay, let's get going. Number one, let's start with concussions. Certainly the, the growing awareness uh, of uh, the long-term dangers of concussions being caused uh, by contact sports like football and other sports, well, that, that whole concern really took shape over the last 10 years. And the national awareness has resulted in a substantial drop, for example, in kids playing high school and youth-level football. We know that. There's also been changes, of course, in USA Hockey in terms of the checking ages when kids can start to hit, uh, make contact with their opponents in a hockey match. There's also been growing movement uh, to eliminate heading of soccer balls at the younger ages. This is all part of the process we're talking about, which is all resultant from our growing awareness of the concerns regarding concussions. In fact, I can recall... I can recall having a young Chris Nowinski come on the show some years ago to talk about the lingering effects of his having played college football and then becoming a pro wrestler 
uh, and how that the concussions that he had endured uh, was having an impact on his physical and mental well-being. Now, Chris Nowinski, to my mind, and I know a lot of people talk about other people as well, but Chris really was, the, to my mind, one of the first to actually write a book about the concerns with concussions, what it was doing to young people. Uh, Chris went on, of course, to become the founder of the Concussion Legacy Foundation up in Boston, and he does even more and more research on concussions. In fact, one of his, his colleagues, uh, Dr. Robert Cantu, a highly respected neurosurgeon from Boston University, he came on the show during the last 10 years to strongly suggest that that kids shouldn't play any tackle football until they're 14, and definitely not uh, any younger than that because of the medical concerns with hits to the head. But as much attention as concussions have received in the last 10 years, there were also other significant developments in, in youth sports as well, which, again, I want to get your sense of which ones you think were the most significant. For example, another major trend we've seen grow in the last decade has been the rising popularity of e-gaming in this country. I mean, there's no question that millions and millions of young people play e-games, and they even watch other kids play e-games on TV or they watch them online. There are all sorts of college scholarships becoming available for these youngsters who have developed amazing eye-hand coordination. Promoters of e-games insist that these participants are really true athletes in every sense of the world and that they need to be in top physical condition in order to win. Well, okay, on that I'm not so sure, but I do know that pretty much every kid today is spending an ample amount of time playing e-games and doing so at the expense of playing other traditional sports. In a country where losing in a country which is losing the battle of obesity and kids not being in physical top shape, the advent and growth of e-games is something that most parents really need to be aware of. That is, just like other sports, very, very few kids are ever going to get a college scholarship to play e-games or to make any money turning pro. And more importantly, if kids really don't exercise, break a sweat on a daily basis, they are really running the risk of shortening their lives. And that is a real uh, reality for a lot of uh, you know, medical professionals. They are concerned about the kids sitting in front, of course, of computer screens or their cell phones and not working out. It's as simple as that. Moving on. This one you might find a little more controversial, but I want to bring it up because it does hit home to me. And that is the, that the game of baseball over the last 10 years has really begun to start go through a reinvention and a redesign. Now, we talked about this a little bit last week on the show, but all sports are being reinvented due to the impact of analytics. We know that. But perhaps baseball of them all is being the most drastically redesigned. Now, think about this if you're a baseball fan. Whether it's the new emphasis on power pitching or scouts looking for kids who throw with max velocity on every pitch to the ongoing discussion of launch angles and with kids who try to hit home runs. But this is really changing the shape and the focus of the game. You know, 10 years ago, kids did not, kids were concerned about striking out a lot. Well, these days, strikeouts don't seem to matter that much. Of course, we know there's no more bunting being taught uh, with kids today. Why? Because bunting is becoming phased out of the sport at the major league level. There's no more emphasis upon stealing bases. 
And again, maybe I'm just an old school guy, but to me, baseball is all about the ability to, to run and steal bases and bunt and hit and run and so on and so forth. Anyhow, all these, these new directions in the game are still having a major impact on, on how the game is being taught and played at the youth and high uh, and youth local level. Uh, it's as simple as that. But anyhow, um, in any event, these are my concerns. Uh, I, it, it, to me, this takes the fun and joy out of the game. And if the games are becoming long and boring, well, you know what? The kids will simply stop playing baseball. Uh, it's as simple as that. But uh, anyhow, let me um, let me stop here and take a pause. I have more issues to talk about with you and to reflect. And of course, I'd love to hear from you at one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. I mean, the thing is, changes are taking place with new sports over the last decade. And as we come to the end of the year, I'd like to discuss with you what this all means. Okay, let me take a time out. John Minko has your update. When I return, I'll go to your calls. Stay with me. And welcome back to the Sports Everyone. Uh, this is Rick Wolf. We're talking this morning about the growing trends uh, in terms of youth sports over the last 10 years. And, you know, I mentioned right in the first segment uh, some of the more obvious ones that, that obviously we have to deal with and, and understand, of course, the concerns about concussions, the growth of the popularity of e-games, analytics and how they're changing uh, for better or for worse, uh, you know, sports. And I focused on baseball in particular because I do think that baseball is is just beginning to go through a bit of a decline. Uh, we know the attendance is down at the games. Uh, and as I mentioned in last week's show, you know, a lot of the basic uh, fundamentals of baseball, a lot of the activities which bring a lot of fun and joy to the game are being squeezed out because they don't, the people at the top echelons, don't think that uh, bunting or having guys who can steal bases or guys who uh, just throw hard, uh, that, that's the way to win. And, you know, I'm not sure that's that's good for the game in terms of developing young players. Uh, I know it, it, it ranges from community to community, but I do know in a lot of communities uh, around here, uh, baseball players are becoming fewer and far between. It just seems that baseball is becoming more and more of a distant sport uh, as, as the last uh, 10 years have shown. Hope that trend disappears or goes back to being what it used to be, but right now it's it's a tough call. And of course, we're taking your calls at one 337 6666 Before I, I get to our, our callers, there are other concerns, other trends uh, I want to talk about. You know, for example, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, the, the, the legalization of gambling. Well, you'd say, well, why do I care about legalization of gambling? Uh, well, well, the problem is that a lot of kids gamble on, on sports. And, and I just, you know, we haven't heard much about this and, and the impact that, that the kids watching. The kids, of course, watch everything. They're very, very smart. But they're going to pick up on all this, and, and they're going to begin to realize, well, what's wrong with, with uh, gambling on sporting events? What, what, what is the concern there? I just, you know, <clears throat> this is going back to the days of the, of the point-shaving scandals in the early 50s at LIU basketball and Boston College in the 70s. Uh, for those old-timers, remember Arch Leister, the great quarterback at Ohio State, and how his career got uh, derailed due to his gambling issues. I just worry about all this stuff and what kind of impact this is going to have on kids as they go through the process and realize that gambling is now legal. And, and, um, you know, it's a concern. Yes, I know you have to be a certain age in order to gamble and so on and so forth, but I just worry about the impact this is going to have. And the other thing is, speaking of money, what about the new law that's going to go into effect where college athletes 
uh, will not jeopardize their amateur status uh, by being able to collect endorsement deals. Again, I, I, that sets up to me concerns about potential conflicts of interest that I'm not sure a lot of the college administrators understand fully. Now, I, under, I of course, I realize that if you're a college athlete and you're spending huge amounts of time practicing your sport, which is what the college and the coach wants you to do, it's real hard to get a part-time job to make a few bucks. But setting up deals that you can get money from for endorsing a product or, or whatever or brand, I don't know. I mean, what happens if an athlete is, is asked to endorse a, a local college uh, or sports betting line operation? Does that make sense? Does that work? What happens if the star quarterback is approached to do endorsements and make some money from doing that, but his teammates do not share in that money? How does that work? How does that sit with his teammates? Uh, that's a concern which only happened in the last few years, and it's going to be more and more present as we move into the next decade. And speaking of money, of course, what about the blurring of lines between high school coaches being allowed to coach their high school players in the offseason and get paid for that? I mean, I, I just think this is this is a real, real concern that we've talked about in the show several times. I don't see any real resolution to this. I mean, it's a real thorny issue. Most parents these days assume that if their kid wants to make their high school varsity, then as part of that ongoing process, <clears throat> the kid is going to have to play for the varsity coach's travel team in the offseason. And, of course, they have to pay for that and pay a lot of money. And if you don't do that, well, that's your choice. But the bottom line is your kid's going to be losing out on more practice and more face time with the coach. Anyhow, these are some of the issues that have happened over the last 10 years, and I do want to talk about it. Okay, let's take some calls. one 337 6666 Let's go to uh, – let's start with John over in Breezy Point. John, good morning. You're on the fan. Yes, good morning, Rich. Yes. Uh, Rick, pleasure to speak to you. Yes, um, I'm – May I preface by saying I'm a Yankee fan since 1961, so I go back. Okay. And it really irks me when I see uh, situations like first and second, no out, down a run, and no, no bunt. Um, and, and I think, from what I can remember, it, it's, it, started, um, in, it started mostly with Girardi. And Boone does it, and and you know most most managers do it now, and it's just fundamental baseball. That's how you win. You 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 get the the tying or the potential go ahead run to third base, and the best way to do that most of the, a lot of the times is to bunt. And how many times do you see a double play or a pop up? And it's just very very irritating to me. And I, I wish it would change. Uh, John, well, I, I, obviously you're preaching to the choir here. I feel the same way. And, and I know this is all, as you know as well, this has all happened in the last decade. It's just been a sea change as to how baseball is to be played. Uh, and, of course, since so few young players today are taught how to bunt, they don't understand the, how important it is to move runners along in a close game. They don't understand how they can, uh, you know, steal a base. Uh, I mean, these things, which are all part and parcel of how baseball has been played for more than 100 years, has now been exactly. eliminated. And, and the guys exactly. like, you know, Girardi and Boone, well, let's face it, 
they're probably old school guys in their hearts, but they've been sort of mandated by their bosses saying, no, we have reams and reams of stats and papers and everything else that show that it doesn't make sense for us to to put a bunt down here with you know men in first and second and down by a run. We're going to swing swing for the fences. It, it, it's just not only is it not, in my mind, effective, and you can people can debate with me all the time about about how this works, but it just makes the game a lot more boring. I, I just don't want to see a guy come up. Yeah, then a first and second, and and strike out or hit into a double play. Strike say, out. What, what, are you, what are you doing? Move the guys along. Well, I try, but I, I don't know. How to, forgive me, but I'm 25 years old, and I don't. I'm a major league player making millions of dollars, and I don't know how to bunt, or put a sacrifice down. I. Oh, <laughs> um, oh my God. So, uh, this is it's hideous. It really, forget forget about a squeeze play. I mean, that's one of the most exciting plays in baseball, but. You, I mean, even a safety squeeze, it, I, it's, it's poten- to, to potentially, um, it, you know, a good percentage of the time, you're going to score that run on a safety squeeze if you got a halfway decent bunter up there. It, it, John, it's it's just not going to happen anymore. I mean, you, it, a whole generation of ball players are being raised being told, no, 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 we don't want you to put a squeeze bunt down. We taught you how to hit for power. Uh, you know, why would you do? Why would you just sacrifice in a bat to put a bunt down to score a run? It just makes for a very tedious game. Anybody who, who loves baseball, as obviously you do, would say, well, this is, under, this is, I don't get this. Why are we looking at all these just guys who throw 95, 96 miles an hour, who collects a lot of strikeouts, and, and the, the hitters are just trying to hit home runs? It, it doesn't, that's not, you know, we're going to see I, a you know, you know? I mean, it, it, I'll go a step further. I mean, if, if you can't bunt, put the ball in play, for God's sake. Hit the ball to the right side, at least put it in play. When you see these strikeouts with first and second, nobody out, and takes you right out of the inning. I mean, I'm, I'm watching Yankee games forever, and I see it all the time. And it seems to me like it started with Girardi. And he gets all kinds of praise. Okay, but, you know, he, he's, he's a major player in this. Well, but but Joe is just typical. He gets a lot of uh, attention because he's obviously managed, you know, here in New York and now in Philly. But the fact is, all the managers do this. They're being told by the people who run, you know, the front office, saying, "No, no, no. This is our philosophy. If we stick to our blueprint." And of course, major league teams have organizational meetings all the time to talk about the players they want because the players who can were not concerned about speed, were not concerned about stealing bases, were not concerned. You know, back in the day, again, this is really dating myself, but because I never really saw him play. But I know that my father used to tell me that Jackie Robinson, when he got on first base or got the second or third, he would literally dance to upset the, the timing of the pitcher. Uh, and because the pitcher didn't know if Robinson was going was to steal or dive back to the base, and it basically had a tremendous psychological impact to make the pitcher nervous. That doesn't happen anymore. Of course anymore. it did. You know, and the kids today don't get that. They're not trained to do that. They're not taught that's how it's done. Kids, of course, don't know anything about a hit and run. They wouldn't know what a hit and run is because they're never taught that. They say, if anything, they're saying, no, don't do that. So it's as simple as that. I just, it's a real concern as, as to where we are at this. And um, anyhow, John, I, I got to tell you, 
It's it's uh, those those so-called glory days of baseball are gone, and I would think if I were running baseball like Commissioner Manfred, I would start to really think about okay, how do we get back to turning in baseball into entertaining, spontaneous, fun to watch, and so on and so forth. So, hey, John, thank you, thank you for the call. That's exactly what we're talking about in terms of the trends of, of sports today with our young kids. And again, uh, as a as you can tell, as a longtime baseball fan, I just get very concerned about where we are with this. It's as simple as that. I just, you know, it's, it's um, put it this way. Uh, John apparently was a, was a longtime Yankee fan. Well, a guy like Whitey Ford, the chairman of the board, Whitey Ford didn't throw hard. He would never get even a look at this day by a scout because he just doesn't throw not even throw 95 miles an hour same with the greg maddox these are great great pitchers who mastered the art of pitching they knew how to change speeds they knew how to throw strikes they knew how to to uh, throw the equilibrium from a batter off balance but those pitchers today aren't getting signed guys like jimmy moyer no not a chance scouts one and college coaches as well they want to see kids who throw you know 90 plus miles an hour. Otherwise, they got no shot of ever playing pro ball. And of course, that's where we see so many kids today ending up with Tommy John surgery. It's as simple as that. Okay, let me let me take a time out. When I return, I'll, re- I'll go right back to your calls. We're talking about the greatest of the biggest trends and the, the concerns for youth sports over the last decade. And then we also, I'm going to give you some predictions as to what I think is going to happen in the 10 years to come. Not exactly a rosy picture, but I do want to get your thoughts and, and feedback on this as well, because I do. I am concerned, and I think you should be as well. Okay, John Mico has your update. When I return, I'll go to your calls. Stay with me. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports, The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. And welcome back to the Sports Edge, everyone. Uh, we're talking this morning about what the last 10 years have brought in terms of changes and developments for better or for worse when it comes to youth sports. And in just a few minutes, I'm going to talk about what I think is going to be changing in the next 10 years and get your thoughts on that as well. But before I get back to your calls, i, I got to take a moment to, 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 uh, to, to pause and reflect upon the passing of my, my good friend Willie Mack. Willie Mack, for years and years and years, was the field manager of the New Rochelle Robins. Now, you've heard me mention the Robins on the show over the years, and Dick Caswell, uh, you know, ran the franchise and still does. Uh, Willie was the field manager from the uh, late 70s. When I came back from playing uh, minor league ball in the Tigers organization, uh, Willie was just sharp, smart, real gentleman, tremendous hitter himself when he played. Grew up in the Jim Crow era uh, in the Deep South, but uh, baseball was his huge passion, and he had a great sense of humor, a very, very uh, quiet, droll sense of humor. Let me tell you a story which I don't often tell in public very often, and you'll see why in a second. But it was at the end of my my career playing ball. I was probably in my mid to late 30s playing with uh, the Robins, and we're playing in a tournament in August uh, in Salisbury, Maryland. And I, talking about uh, bunting and the lost art of bunting and moving runners along, we were down in the last inning uh, by one run. And there were men on first and second, and I came to bat, nobody out. And, of course, I knew I had to move the runners along. 
But the field was was a hard baked field. Uh, you know, middle of August hadn't gotten much uh, water, or, and and I knew that anything I put down for a bunt would quickly scoot over to a to a fielder. So I looked at Willie down at the third base coaching box. That's where he was, uh, you know, coaching. And I decided to put down a, a fake bunt to do basically a slug bunt. So I squared around. As the pitch came in, I chopped at it. I hit it hard. In fact, it's so hard that it bounced off the uh, the turf or the, the grass, the, 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 uh, the dirt in front of home plate, went over the pitcher's head. And I'm thinking, this is going to be great. I'm going to get a base hit out of the surprise slug bunt. Fortunately, the second baseman for the uh, for the uh, the opponents, he grabbed the ball, stepped on second base for out number one. Then instead of turning the double play and trying to throw me out at first base, he instead very smartly waited from the runner from second around third base, threw behind the runner. My teammate was uh, basically doubled up as you try to get back into third. He that was out number two. Meanwhile, I'm watching this, and I'm rounding first base, and I say, well, i got to get to second base to at least get in, into scoring position on this botched uh, attempt to move the runners along. And sure enough, I was thrown out sliding into second base for out number three. <laughs> so that was how the game ended. And I remember getting up from second base, looking over at Willie in third base, and he was just uh, aghast. He couldn't believe what had just happened. And as I came over to him, he said to me, he said, Wolfie, do you understand that was a game-ending, tournament-ending, series-ending, triple play you just hit into? <laughs> and I said to Willie, more than that, Willie, it was probably also a career-ending triple play because I think I'm done. <laughs> and he laughed and he said, well, I think I've seen it all now. As simple as that. So Willie was in his uh, late 80s and uh, just a terrific guy, and he will be very much missed from the world of baseball. Okay, let's get back to our callers at one 337 6666 Let's go over to, um, let's go over to uh, Tom in North Brunswick, New Jersey. Tom, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Tom. Uh, real quick, uh, you know, I'm, I think a pretty easy solution to this whole thing with, you know, youth, the youth of this country, as uh, they say, it's the popularity of baseball is, is dwindling. Yes. And you can see it by the ratings. And I think instead of changing the game and trying to make it faster, or, or, you, would, you would think MLB, the commissioner, would, would, have, would put some money in youth groups and, you know, have academies around the country. And I know it would be expensive, but... You know, because, it, you know, the, the equipment's expensive. You know, Rick, I'm 58 years old, and I remember when I was young in school, I was lucky to grow up in Summit, New Jersey. We had all fields to play on, mm -hmm. and in the summer, all I ever did was from morning till night play baseball. Sure. And that's why I love the game. It's the greatest game in the world, and I think that that would be a great way to promote the game. And um, I know it would be expensive, but MLB, instead of trying to bleed every last dollar out of everything, you would think that they put money into the youth programs. I think it makes sense. What do you think? I, I of course, 100% uh, agree. And not only uh, in terms of putting money into youth programs, and again, like Major League Baseball, you know, they have their RBI program and so on and so forth, their inner city kids, but they need to do more than that. And I think a lot of times they just sort of defer to Little League Baseball, which, quite frankly, doesn't do enough either in terms of making sure that the kids have really good fields to play on and really good coaching. And the other thing is, they really, Major League Baseball really needs to have a sit down and say, well, what do we want our kids to be playing baseball? How, do, how should they be playing the game? Should we be teaching the fundamentals that we grew up with, like learning how to bunt and throwing strikes and stealing yeah. bases? That's not done anymore. It's just not yeah. done. And, and, and I think, I, go ahead. You know, 
I heard that in, in college, there, you know, and even in youth baseball, that all they care about is how hard they throw the ball. That's correct. And that I think, you know, and I think, and you can see in, the, in, in, in in the major leagues, that's all the pitchers ever do. They're the pitchers that know how to pitch, they're the ones that are that can go deeper in the games and who last longer. And uh, you know, everything's about money. Well, yeah, it is, no, and unfortunately, the, the in fact that's the problem at the major league level. The the front office executives have been uh, pretty much uh, brainwashed into thinking, well, if we win, this is the formula, the pathway to win is using analytics. And honestly, Tom, I don't think that's the way it's going to work. It's, you're going to end up really destroying the next generation of ball players. It's as yeah, simple as that. So because, let me let me uh, because... let me move on to some other calls, Tom. I got people waiting for me, but thank you for for your insights. Appreciate it. Okay, let's go over to our friend uh, Jack uh, Smithlin over in Fairlawn. Jack, good morning. You're on the fan. Hi, Rick. How are you? Well, you can tell um, I'm struggling with a cold, but I'm I'll, I'll, I'll be fine. I, so. I I can tell. I can hear it in your voice. Sure. Um, you know, talking about all the topics that you started in your intro with, it's amazing how much information this show and you give to people. You know, if only they would learn from it. You know, a lot of the topics that you did talk about are things that I'm so interested in now. And because of your show, um, after I retired from teaching, um, I'm now lecturing on sports parenting with, with, with your help and mm-hmm. mentoring and your, your, your knowledge of all the books that you've written and, uh, and just listening to some of your podcasts in the past, which I've all, which I've heard before because I've been listening now for close to 20 years. Um, I'm out now doing a, a sports radio show because of you. So, you know, this is so interesting to me, every single topic that you opened up the show with. And, you know, a couple of the things that I think that have changed drastically are clubs. Um, the way we were been saturated with clubs back in the year, it was always a traveling team, an all-star team, in, you know, in old school times. And that's the way it should be because those produce the best players. You know, now anybody that wants to pursue baseball or softball or even soccer, basketball, you know, at the highest level, even if they're not at the highest level, they can get onto a team somewhere. And, you know, and I'm not saying that that's wrong, but there's so many club teams today that it's actually diminishing the power of of high school athletics, which is something that you've talked about on your show jack and one I of the other topics like, and one of the other topics is you talked about it a few weeks ago parents you know understand that your behaviors affect your kids it's affecting the game it's affecting umpires and referees um we're losing them because of your actions so every single topic that you've talked about is is so so important and like i said it's such a big part of my life today um that i'm now pursuing not a career. I don't ever want to make this a career because it's crazy. But, you know, all the different things that you've talked about. So, you know, I thank you for that. I really do. Um, it, it, it gave me a different path after retirement, something that my wife is very pleased about because I'm never in the house. So <laughs> well, I, uh, I appreciate Jack, it all. I really well, do. That's, thank that's, you, a, that's a very wonderful testimonial. But, you know, I just look upon myself as an average sports fan like everybody else who grew up 
playing sports and enjoying it. And like like yourself and my, you know, we're just concerned about what are we setting in terms of an example for the next generation of young athletes. And uh, yeah, there there are real concerns. Uh, and Jack, thank you, thank you for the call this morning, and thank you for those nice comments. There are concerns. I mentioned about what I think are predictions for the next decade. Uh, you know, I do think that, as Jack alluded to, and I've said this many times in the show, I think that there are certain club teams and travel teams are going to become even more dominant in the years to come, and they will be. They will begin to squeeze traditional high school sports programs more than ever uh, as kids get to be more accustomed and expecting to play on travel teams they're going to opt out to, to play on their travel programs and not play on their high school teams even though they're going to say well it's fun to play with my buddies from school they're going to be so focused on getting to the next level presumably a college scholarship that they're going to say no i gotta keep playing on my on my travel program um I also have concerns about whether or not we'll see more and more public high schools are going to stop offering football as a sport due to insurance concerns, especially those high schools with smaller enrollments. The school boards are going to look at the rising expense of insurance premiums due to concussions, and, and those schools either are just going to drop the sport, citing the, uh, the expense, or they'll have to combine with other local school districts to form teams because that the, the rising expense of covering concussions along with the, the drop in enrollment of kids playing football. Uh, this is happens a lot these days with high schools with ice hockey programs. They combine to form teams. But I do think that we're going to finally see some some of these uh, the, the impact of concussions are going to have impact on, on these schools getting rid of their programs. It's as simple as that. Um, and yeah, I do think there's going to be in the next 10 years, I think there will be a significant movement to have a some sort of federal oversight with youth sports in this country. I do think that at some point the government will come in and put together an appointment a commissioner of youth sports uh, to oversee and basically to serve as sort of a consumer watchdog as as to for sports parents whose whose kids uh, who do play travel and club sports and you know if your kid has an unhappy experience with a travel program right now you have no place to to turn to or to complain to uh, short of filing a lawsuit and most parents aren't going to do that so i do think we're going to see a movement to have a commissioner of youth sports uh to help empower parents who feel their kid is is uh being over you know is somehow being neglected or not getting the right coaching or, or whatever it might be not getting a chance to, to play I, I do think these are real concerns as we head uh into the future um and I also think that we're going to see more and more concerns and discussion about these great, highly talented uh, superstar athletes uh, turning down fabulous offers to turn pro, uh, you know, like at age 13, uh, like this girl Olivia Moultrie did, uh, you know, signing with Nike to forego her high school and her college career in soccer to go pro at age 13. I mean, I remember we all heard about Mary Kane, the great uh, track star from, from Bronxville High School, when she turned pro uh, out of high school and signed with Nike and the, and the disastrous results that has had. So I do think we're going to see more and more reflection of what kids want to want to do in terms of making their looking at the various options for, for sports as they move ahead. Okay, let me, let me take a, a quick time out. Uh, John Minko's got your update. When we return, we'll talk more about the trends 
in youth sports. And back here on the Sports Edge, we're talking, uh, this is the last uh, show of the year. We're talking not about the changes in the last year, but the last decade when it comes to youth sports and the impact it has on our kids and on the next generation. Uh, and yeah, there are real serious concerns, more significant changes, in my opinion, over the last decade than the last 100 years of youth sports in this country as we uh, continue to theoretically make progress with our kids and their development in the world of sports. one 337 6666 That's our number. Let's go over to Brooklyn. Jerry has been waiting patiently. Jerry, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. And let me just say, I wake up to Bob Salter, to you, and to uh, Mark Malusis, and I just love Sunday on the fan. <laughs> uh, just a great show. Well, just great you. shows. I want to take one issue, um, and you're so right. All the things that you mentioned about sports gambling, I still don't know why they're allowed to um, to advertise on the uh, on the radio and on. I mean, to me, it should be treated like tobacco. They're going to ruin young lives down the road. And if you hear the um, some of the sports hosts on the fan, they're almost like pushes. Um, really, I mean, that's the impression I get. Uh, let me just touch quickly on 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 baseball. With you know, would it surprise you that the home run derby had higher TV ratings than the All Star Game? Yeah. And that's what it's become: yes. home runs and strikeouts. It's really right. a boring game now. And well, and I'm sorry, and I just wanted to quickly touch this and then listen to your thoughts. Um, in 1987, Bachi Amani, who was uh, president of the National League and mm-hmm. later became uh, uh, commissioner of the base, uh, of baseball, asked his friend uh, from, from Yale University to write a book on physics of baseball, which I bought and read. This is way before analytics. My, my uh, point doc, being, we have Dr. no Adair, idea. Dr. Adair, right? Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Robert that, K. Adair, Sterling Professor of Physics at Yale. Right. You're right. And, um, you know, he had a great line. He said, uh, baseball, uh, he says, I hope I hope baseball will always be a part of me that brings out the 10-year-old boy. Um, and that's really changed today. And, and when you start looking from that point on, uh, from the physics of baseball to where it's gone with sabermetrics, and I've used like 57 of the indicators. I just love, um, I, I used to really love analytics. And to where it is today, it's all out of it's all out of control. By the way, well, uh, they are now into into artificial intelligence. Yes. They're into cameras that could shoot like five thousand. I don't Jerry, know. Let me let me stop you there because it's I out of, agree. It's out of control. Well, I agree, and it, it is, it's not it's not slowing down. It is accelerating, and and yes. uh, it's as you said. Uh, thank thank you for your thoughts this morning, Jerry. Appreciate it. And of course, we know there's gonna there's a new movement now to uh, replace umpires with uh, basically um, uh, cameras calling balls and strikes. Uh, that's a very serious movement. We also know there's a movement to eliminate a lot of minor league teams. Uh, I, I personally think that's a move just to cut cost. It's, 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 it's going. It's happening. All right, let's, let's go over to uh, Eric and Ronkonkoma. Eric, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. I hope you feel better and Happy New Year. Yeah, thank um, you. I spoke to you last time you had this issue. Uh, you know, you were talking about the e-gaming. Uh, my son is a big uh, e-gamer and everything. Uh, and I told him, you know, just recently, actually, I said, look, if, if you're going to be doing this, I said, you know, you got to be doing some sort of uh, activity as well. So he's yeah. going to be joining the track team in the spring. Um, and on top of that, you know, I'll be 
I told them, you know, because I, I go to the uh, uh, the gym, I said, you know, I, I'm allowed to take other people to the gym. So I said, at least once a week, once, twice a week, you're going to be coming with me so that you get some sort of exercise on there. So, that you know, that that was the stipulation I gave him uh, on there. But you're, but you're right. I mean, he sits there, plays the game. He also watches the YouTube on his phone as he's playing the game, talking <laughs> with his friends and everything. So it really is, I mean, I don't know if he's getting tips or whatever because I'm too busy doing my own thing to... To, to follow it, but I mean, it's it's a huge thing. At, uh, what's going on? You know, and it, obviously it's in high school and all that. But, uh, so, Eric, it is a huge thing, and and it's not. I think your approach is very smart to basically say to your son, "Look, you know, I understand you you're into this. You want to play e games, and and uh, that's what all your friends do, and you talk about it in school and stuff. That's okay, but." I'm more concerned about your long-range physical health. And you just say, yes. I'm going to mandate to you, you know, for every hour you, you play, you know, playing video games or e-games, you're going to have to make sure you go out and, and run. Track and field, as you said, is a good sport. Stay in shape because at some point you want to make sure that um, we want to make sure the next generation that our kids are going to outlive us in terms of their physical health. And they are, you know, we discussed, there are a lot of concerns about the kids today not getting enough physical exercise uh, to keep their bodies healthy, and I, I think that's right. a real I mean, he's concern. Not, he's not much into the the overall athletics, which is fine. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm very, you know, I'm quite the opposite. But you know, as, as long as he's got some some something going on there, uh, and like I said, even if it's just coming with me to the gym, that that's fine with me as long as he keeps himself active. So yeah, I, uh, I, you 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 have a great uh, New Year's Day, Rick. Eric, a happy new year as well. Thank you for that, those comments, and I agree with that 100%. Uh, moms and dads, again, this is the changes we're talking about with youth sports. You don't want necessarily just try to uh, dismiss the fact that your kid's playing video games and say, well, that's how it is. No, you really have to sit down and have that conversation and say, I think it's essential that you do something to keep yourselves physically in good shape and, and fit and take care of your body. The same way kids today are more concerned than ever about what they put into their mouths in terms of good nutrition. That's all great. That's wonderful. That's a good positive sign. But in terms of getting exercise, they're not going to get, they're not going to break a sweat. They're not going to get real uh, cardio fitness training by playing video games, and they need to be reminded about that by their parents. Get outside. Go for a run. Ride a bike. Uh, do some skateboarding. Go play basketball. Do something that's going to make sure that your body is going to be prepared for the long haul in terms of, of taking care of themselves. Again, that's one of the major trends we've seen in the last 10 years. If we were talking in the year you know, 2005, e-games weren't really there yet. Nobody was really playing them. Now, of course, we know you can get college scholarships, theoretically, from playing e-games. It's a real concern. The same thing we talked before about other, you know, concerns. Uh, things are just changing. So, anyway, we'll obviously come back and discuss many of these topics in the year to come and down the road. But, uh, again, I'm glad to hear they're all just talking about it. That's a good sign. That's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks to Brian Riscona. I will see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.